0: News and interviews from your community every morning on WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com Thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise Fabulous describes the man who's Making all the things happen this morning. Mr. Rob Senter, a great producer, so we always appreciate his help and hard work. It's why the Archive will be working in the hours ahead after our program, so we always are very grateful for his help. On the news line with us now, Samantha Pearson, Executive Director Lewisburg Neighborhoods, Elm Street Manager, and Walk It, Bike It Coordinator, and I guarantee you today we're going to talk about some things that relate to walking and biking and getting outdoors and having some fun and helping to clean up and enjoying... <laughs> (laughs) enjoying ourselves a little bit, still wearing a mask through some of it, but uh, uh, these are things that really don't uh, have any plans to be canceled in the near future. So, Samantha, welcome on board. Thanks for calling in today.
1: Good to be here, Mark.
0: You have a lot of things. If you go to lewisburgneighborhoods.org, you can see a lot of things are planned, and these are things that you are planning on having uh, this year and aren't planning on canceling them.
1: Right. So... um we are pleased to be bringing back a lot of our activities most of our activities of course are um, outdoor activities and we have learned a lot about covid um we are uh recognized you know whether so while while things like the arts festival have to be modified still this year because they're just you know the, the street fair for the arts festival is too condensed um you know so the Lewisburg arts Council is pretending with with covid restrictions for that we have you know much more dispersed activities we are pleased to be bringing back um uh this week the winter cross trail challenge and uh later in the year our river road holiday and then we're also uh introducing our own version of of dispersed art um something we're calling picture the piers and we're having sort of a series of things focusing on a set of concrete piers in downtown Lewisburg and sort of introducing them to people's imagination and inviting people to, to actually uh, engage with them, do some public art, and, um, and then start, start sort of claiming them as more public space for the borough. I can actually go through, so for pictures of piers, so let me talk about the Winter Cross Trail Challenge first, because that's right now um this is something we do uh we've been doing for several years and it's it as with many of our events a little bit different we invite people to check in with the Buffalo Valley Rail Trail just in midwinter usually very end of february beginning of march and uh like sometimes it's a walk in the park last year it was a lovely bike ride and brunch in like 60 degree weather and we had brunch at Rusty Rail right before everything shut down um other years, it has been a very challenging sort of snowy, icy bike ride. Other years, it's, a, it's been a, you know, nine-mile hike through eight inches of snow uh, or a walk in sort of a steady, cold rain. You know, we've had all different conditions. This year, it looked like it was going to be some interesting ground conditions. But as it happens, you know, as we move towards it, we, we've had all this melting, so I'm still not entirely clear. It will be a good check-in for me this weekend, um, but people are invited to to traverse the trail by whatever means that are safe and legal. So it can't be motorized, and you should you know not like try to ride a bike on ice if you do not have studded tires, or if you know you're not using you're not a a, a uh, you, you haven't tried those things before. You don't have some familiarity with the challenges of, of that. Um, but there's probably some way you can do it. Like uh, maybe if you might have ridden it, try walking it. It is, uh, you know, nine miles, so uh, a good walk is, could be uh, several hours. Um, and then you might want to get someone to pick you up at the other end. We're not encouraging people to congregate to do this, but to you know, do it as, as your own activity with your own householder bubble and, uh, and then tell us about it. So that is, was last weekend and this weekend, sort of any time at your convenience.
0: And the trail is down to bare pavement at this point.
1: Well, that's that's part of what we're going to check out. It, it is there in many places, but there are also probably a few places. It's like when you go to RB Winter in the winter, and you're like, oh,
0: <laughs> it's still a lot winter of snow. up here. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so it's uh, I'm going to venture if I haven't checked it out yet. I'm going to do it this weekend. I'm going to venture. There's probably still at least ice in uh, spots like, uh, you know, a little bit uh, west of Skunk Hollow, there's probably a little stretch west of, um, or before you get to Hoffa Road, you know, places where the trail is fairly shady, uh, there may still be sort of interesting surfaces, but it's very clear otherwise for much of it.
0: Right, so that's the Cross Trail Challenge, and that continues uh, in an ongoing fashion. And uh, we will just say that later this month, you're planning tree planting and cleanups, so go ahead and talk about those.
1: Right, Um, and these these are not yet posted on our website. We should have all of our dates uh, worked out by next week, so there will be a new post on LewisburgNeighborhoods.org pretty soon. Um, but we are working with the Pennsylvania Interface Power and Light on uh, tree plantings this year. We're all getting trees, uh, both seedlings and what are called bare root trees, from the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. And, um, you know, our Rivertown team will be focusing on areas in and around Lewisburg, and then the PAIPL, the Interface Power and Light, which is is a um, a face-based, Environmental Creation Care uh, Organization um, uh, we will be, you know, working all over the state, um, including, you know, other parts of our region down to Harrisburg, up to uh, up to Wilkes barre and to Williamsport. So, with a focus on the on the river corridor largely, but um, we'll be having trees uh, that people we can give away to people to plant. We are will be inviting people to plant with us. Um, And if you are on our email list, you would have been getting the links uh, for how to sign up to participate in this. Um, Again, those will be included again when we get our dates down. Um, It's a little bit vague when we're dealing with trees and planting, we're a little dependent again on ground conditions, like with the Cross-Grow Challenge, because the nurseries need to be able to get the trees out, uh, especially for the bare roots. um uh we may have some as early as uh you know two weeks from now uh though we were anticipating most of them coming in uh, mid to, to late april our first date our first big date we had planned was april 24th or sorry april 22nd which is a thursday afternoon and then april 30th which is a friday afternoon and arbor day those will be sort of events um, and then there may be others as well, including some coming up this month that will just be surprise tree planting.
0: <laughs> yeah, voila, Well, And I think the the bottom line is not the specific dates that we really want to emphasize is that we can do these things with masks on, with distance, and obsessive hand washing. We're going to be able to do some of these activities.
1: It's it's true. I mean, we 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 also are are counting on the fact that we don't tend to get mobbed. Um, so. You know, but we could have, you know, 20 people show up for a cleanup or, you know, we're having multiple tree plantings. We could certainly have, uh, you know, a good number of people show up for a given activity, work on it, be dispersed, um, you know, just working. If you're near someone, they have them be from your household. And being outside is really one of, you know, that's one of the best ways to go. Still keeping math on, but, you know, um, it, at this point, most of us are, it, it's not that big a deal you know we can we can handle
0: that all right and picture the piers there's some industrial relics that are in plain sight in Lewisburg near the downtown that involve some concrete uh, a series of what about a dozen or so concrete piers that used to hold a i'm assuming a sluice or a large pipe
1: right they, well so they there there's actually about 30 and they some people like to call them Stonehenge and like Stonehenge they actually can operate as a kind of calendar, maybe not a celestial calendar like Stonehenge, but um, it's possible to almost read them as a a marking of months and years. We're going to have a a little celebration there on the Equinox, which is Saturday, March 20th in the evening, right around dusk. We're going to gather at 6.30 and uh, talk about our plans for getting people to do chalk art. And uh, in uh, April, we believe April 24th... uh, as one of the dispersed parts of the Festival of the Art, of the Celebration of the Arts, not, not Street Fair, but that Saturday we will do um, chalk art, and then working on getting people engaged to do actual painting on them uh, moving forward. There will also be sort of at the end of that, right right at after dusk, uh, a, a little performance of, of music and uh, a celebration of the equinox that evening on March 20th. So, That we'll be, you know, talking about, we have, um, it's getting, like I said, various names. We're talking about picturing the piers and doing a new exhibit on it. We're calling it Six Feet Apart, with the ART in all caps, um, so that we might think about how we could, you know, demonstrate or or draw on our experience of 2020 and share that on those surfaces. The concrete is actually... um, from around the 1930s, and it's part of the ra- the original railroad system. It was actually two separate sidings that collide. There's, you know, they came together. Um, in fact, there's a, a pier that's sort of a compound pier—one from one direction, one from the other. But they were not continuous. The curves are not are not uh, uh, smooth curve all the way around. But they were both accessing uh, coal yard so that they could purchase and uh, drop off coal from whichever uh, place had it cheapest.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's something. Okay, so, uh, yeah, gr- great relics, and i I, I just glad that here to Lewisburg is making the best out of it. You know, definitely making, uh, what do they say, making lemonade, as they say. Okay, so this is, uh, uh, we're just about out of time on this particular segment. This whole segment, we talked about things that will happen. Another minute about things that w- will happen, and the importance sure. of the fact that, that we can do some distanced activities.
1: Yeah, so our our last one is just a heads up that River Road Holiday is on track to return this year again on Mother's Day, so that'll be May 9th in the afternoon from 1 to 5 and with a rain date the following Sunday. And... You know we just see these as on the one hand a return to normalcy but also a a re-embracing of things that are 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 safe and healthy you know already right Uh, river road holiday concentrates on road safety but it can also in this time of of continuing exposure risk to covid um, also be an opportunity for safe healthy outdoor activity we will have a covid safety plan in place we will be asking people and you know people have to check in just for insurance purposes anyway at that event as they enter from either end, they will be reminded, you know, please put, put on and keep on a mask while you're there. But um, we just do think it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a good way to, to re-engage this year. And, and it has as it has been, I mean, a lot of people have really rediscovered being outside, getting exercise outside, out, outdoor activities over this past year. And we, we we
0: sort of think that's going to stick with us. All right, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for all the information. Stand by. When we come back, we'll talk about the vaccines and the variants and Johnson and Johnson. And uh, one of our good listeners sent us a text that says, "Ask her about the NCAA March Madness tournament." I believe they are <laughs> w- well, they are doing this, and uh, I think they've adopted kind of the NBA thing, where if they keep all the players and coaches in a bubble, you know, on two or three floors of one hotel they can pull Mm -hmm. this off so we'll chit chat about that briefly just this idea of uh, it's just going to turn that into one big pod but it stays an isolated pod so we'll talk about that so samantha pearson is uh, now going to hold on and samantha pearson executive director of lewisburg neighborhoods will be back at about 7 42 or so with more of our discussion politics sports entertainment yeah we've got that it's WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070, WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you so much, Rob Center, taking good care of us, keeping the tape going and making sure that we he's ready to do the archive. You can hear all of our great Sunrise interviews anytime you wish on the WKOK podcast page, but nobody gets to the podcast page but through him. So we appreciate his help every day. Samantha Pearson here, Executive Director, Lewisburg Neighborhoods, Elm Street Manager, Walk It, Bike It, Coordinator, Uh, on the very latest COVID-19 numbers that have uh, popped up around here. Uh, Samantha, this is the beginning of the end of the pandemic. I'm assuming that uh, these numbers are kind of good news that we have lately.
1: Um, The way we're characterizing it is we can be both optimistic and cautious at the same time. And in fact, we encourage both. We don't want anyone to get too down, but we also don't want anyone to just, say, numbers are dropping and we're going to bust out, you know. Uh, we need to, to balance the two.
0: It's not Texas we're talking about here, so...
1: I'm not naming names.
0: <laughs> okay, so how what is cautious optimism? Uh, desc- describe how that uh, translates into a behavior.
1: So, uh, it's, it's, well, for one thing, it's, it's seeing and acknowledging that people that we know and interact with or getting the vaccine, um, being thrilled that teachers are going to be getting and and all these school um, employees are going to be getting the vaccine. Uh, You know, I don't know, you may have relatives or, you know, yourself, you may have gotten vaccinated. There's just a a great weight that uh, lifts, you know, when you are in that category. But we also need to recognize that there are so many people in the state, in the country, who haven't yet been able to be vaccinated. It's going to take a long time, right? We have, you know, over 10 million people in the state. We are working our way through the vaccine. Um, we're working our way on getting enough vaccine. So it's still going to take, take time. So while the, there are people who are, are, you know, finally able to feel that they are not as uh, exposed as they, they have been in the past, um, able to engage a little bit more um, with daily life, we also need to recognize that not everyone is yet in that category and we need to continue to take caution, keep you know, and be cautious moving forward. Um and, and just sort of, you know, open in due time, you know.
0: Well and I think uh we're starting to see more and more people uh, with this great confidence that they've got that they're not going to get terribly sick from it. So, yeah, what, 10 percent of the local population now has had the vaccine. So that's uh, we're we're definitely on the right track. How much should I be thinking about variants here? Some are stronger. Some may be more deadly. Uh, how much should I think about or worry about those?
1: Well, so this is where they're talking about it as a race between uh, infections and injections and who's going to win. So the variants are out there. There is still some protection, certainly from uh, uh, the original um, version of uh, SARS-CoV-2, but uh, definitely, you know, there's even some protection against variants, but the variants are better at what they do, which is infecting people. So um, at least these variants are. There are many variants that that fade away, (laughs) you know, they vary, and they're bad at it. So um, so the ones we're worried about are the ones that have cropped up. Uh, They've figured out strategies that make them more sticky. Uh, They spread to more people from any given one person. Um, And so we just need to be aware of that and be aware that that is already afoot, right? We know that there are already people with uh, these variants, basically, you know, they're tracking multiple different kinds uh, originating in different countries, some in this country, and, say, the British variant is, I believe, in 45 different states at this point. You know, there are thousands of cases. That's a small number compared to the total number of cases that we've identified of the original um, infection, but... You know, where were we a year ago with the original infection? Uh, we, were, you know, we were talking about how we were at the very beginning of a, of a steep infectious curve, and that is, in fact, what happened with the original. And so that's what we, we have the potential for a pandemic within a pandemic with the variants. We could have, and that's what, say, Manaus in uh, Brazil saw. They had 76% of their population infected uh, back by, by uh, around the pair of infections, that level of in the face of the variant. Uh,
0: removing the mask. I to
1: say something about Texas, which is so the as cases get in many places, started adopting before they were required to, to effect required or weren't necessarily rescinded. It doesn't that people either, you know continue to obligation to protect their neighbors to
0: uh, neighborhoods keeping a number. So what do you? Hard have?
1: to watch. We'll, we'll note that a month uh, resulted in our there's been a mismatch between boxes and when those cases seem to be picture over the last several months they high uh, risk levels through December and January and then they started to come down this is following all of the, the high the high draw in for interior gatherings that we, we just kept trying to get people not to do but everyone kept doing <laughs> um, uh, and so we had a lot of spread and then it started dropping off And it's great to see that. The numbers are dropping precipitously, but we're still right around the level we were at in mid-November, which is right before everything took off. So the trend has been down, but that's not inevitable. It can start to turn back up depending on how we behave. And, of course, it's a measure of how we were behaving two weeks ago, which is always complicated. So if we started getting more, you know, Careless two weeks ago, then things start turning back up. If a few more people who might have been in, uh, you know, points of transition or transmission uh, have been vaccinated, maybe we can interrupt it and it won't uh, turn back up um, as badly. But we just we 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 need to continue doing what we're doing in order to keep the numbers going down. They're still quite high. They're not as high as they were, but. It, we're not out of the woods by any means, w- whether locally or nationally.
0: Well, yeah. We each day we get a dozen or so people in Northumberland County, for example, and we say the numbers are low. But if you're one of that dozen, it's not. There's nothing good news in that. That you're part of the background level of, of COVID-19 that's continuing around here. What about the universities? Bucknell had a big outbreak. That's subsiding now. Susquehanna University's kind of on the uptick lately.
1: Yeah, so I have a whole article on the website um that was put up it talks about the title is about testing and quarantine, but it also has a extended discussion of of local schools and sort of what happened. One of the things is that many local universities were, you know, doing what's called assurance testing. They were checking in with their students, having them test for COVID very regularly whether they had symptoms or not all fall semester then these kids went home, usually for an extended break, and stopped being tested that way, unless they started being tested like everyone else was, only if they had symptoms, which we know that age group is fairly unlikely to have. When they came back, uh, for the most part, they they resumed the assurance testing, and assurance with some sort of anticipatory testing, like money had to arrive on campus with negative tests in hand. So I do a, a in-depth look at the timeline of how infection and exposure um, work and how that could interact with testing to show how it's fairly easy for schools all over the country, even if they, you know, have some kind of pre-arrival testing regimen to, it's fairly easy for them to still wind up with outbreaks, Um, you know, and even it doesn't, some of that could be Bad timing uh, for exposures for the kids, and then also bad behavior, like they decide to, you know, have indoor unmasked gatherings. But it could also be they come back to campus and they're careful, but they still infect, you know, people that they share living quarters with. It's, it's not, um, it, you know, it's it's an equal opportunity uh, uh, disease vector, right? Like, or, or searching for disease vectors, and and college students this. this reconvening of people from all over the country is a great opportunity uh, for for news spread.
0: And what could be said about the NCAA? I mentioned that. One of our good listeners says, what's your reaction to the fact they will hold March Madness?
1: Sure. So I would say that March Madness is easier to imagine than the whole rest of the semester. And in fact, if you look at the, the website, you can see how many schools, you know, periodically are reporting, oh, we're having to shut down, we're having to shut down during March Madness, if they can all be together and have isolated beforehand and so forth and do, you know, this regular testing, it could work, Um, but it was sort of, they were much more exposed during the semester, especially if they were both um, trying to do in-person school and um, doing any traveling for games. So it's almost like you need to choose, like try to if you're going to be in a pod, it has to be real. And so maybe the team should be its own pod and do all of their schooling remotely uh, and then only get exposed to other teams who are also very much potted. Um, It also means that, you know, are those those players doing what they can if they have, have to get exposed? Are they making sure they're, you know, protecting themselves more seriously? Are they wearing double masks? Are they, you know, observing distance and understanding that, Distance is nice and works great outdoors and for short times indoors, but it's n- it, you know, it doesn't really accomplish much if you're still in a confined space with other people.
0: All right. um, We're going to have to stop there, but LewisburgNeighborhoods.org, you've got lots of information there about these important topics, plus uh, links uh, to a hundred other places that have uh, important information. Thank, Thank you so much, uh, Samantha. Very, Always very interesting, always a lot to talk about. You have an open mic anytime. Good to talk to you, Mark. Mark. Samantha Pearson, Executive Director, Lewisburg Neighborhoods. Uh, She spoke about uh, a column or a blog post, I believe, at lewisburgneighborhoods.org.